When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 92, Larrupped by Leeds. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, the podcast that doesn't like football very much at the moment. Um, after being robbed of a victory against Spurs last week, we were well and truly absolutely battered by Leeds. And we're going to talk about it, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> Joining me on the podcast for the first time this season is the king of positivity himself, Mr. Patrick Larson. Pat, how are we doing? Would have been better with three points today, Nick, but you know... I guess the best thing is there's another there's another game in a week and we we just have to move on. Yeah, no, exactly. And also returning to pod is also one of the queens of positivity herself, Miss Jessica Flotta. Jess, how are we doing? Same as Pat. Um, would be better, you know, if we got the three points, but got a little time to decom- decompress the, the loss today. Maybe we can share some thoughts about that. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And believe it or not, this episode might not be the longest because we've probably got to spend too long looking back at that game. Um, as always, do guess I get them to give themselves a plug. So, Pat, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Sure. Um, first of all, thank you for letting me come on again to one of the best Chelsea podcasts out there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at um, at, at PTP underscore COYB. I do match previews, match reviews, random Chelsea thoughts. So if you ever want to interact, just go follow me there. Yeah, Pat's link will be in the description below. And Jess, where can people find you on Twitter? Um, people can find me on th- Twitter at um, je, underline frota. And um, just stealing Pat's words again and, and just appreciating um, having me again. It's it's such an honor and I'm just super grateful to debate all things Chelsea. Nice one, nice one. And Jess's Twitter handle will be in the description below. Right, let's get into it. Uh, it was Chelsea Leeds. Um yeah, and what could have been, I guess, Raheem Sterling went close in the opening minute. Mason Mount missed a glorious chance at nil-nil as well. Um, but Pat, let's just get to it. That first goal, XG had that at 0.99, probably the highest XG you could probably get. Um, that was downright horrendous from Edouard Mendy. Um, yeah, it's tough because obviously that's not the first time we've seen an error like that. It's probably, in terms of his clangers though, that is probably the worst we've seen today but that was just not the start we needed was it no not at all and in fact I think that was actually the turning point in the game for me because I actually thought the first you know the way we started the game I actually thought was quite was quite decent I mean we were we were getting chances you referenced that Raheem Sterling chance in the first minute of the game and uh, again another example of us not taking advantage of our chances and uh, a chance to really kind of put our stamp on the, on the match. And uh, every time we play it out, out of the back, I won't lie. I get really nervous because Mendy is not the best 
at, with the ball at his feet. And, you know, anyone that has ever watched like major league soccer or, or you know, has watched uh, red ball Salzburg would be able to tell you that Brendan Aronson is quick. He, he is quick to, to, to shut you down and he fits perfectly in that lead system. And I, when I saw that happen, it was like my nightmares coming to life. And um, honestly, I feel like it set a tone for the rest of the match because it really dented our confidence. Any confidence that we had was completely shattered after that. And we just, we, we couldn't get back into the match after that. So certainly of all the close calls that we've had, because they were close calls even before that happened, um, that that's probably the worst that I've seen from Mendy. Yeah, no, exactly. That Mendy hanger just kick-started Chelsea's just, I guess, annual implosion capitulation that's quite spectacular and, I guess, in a way, entertaining to watch. Um, the second goal comes five minutes later because just, yeah, and it's a set-piece. It's another goal we've conceded from a set-piece this season, which is slightly worrying. Rodrigo heads home, it's 2-0. And then, obviously, you know, again, we are, have countless offsides in this game as well, and then Leeds get a third and kill it off. And it was just grim. I mean, we don't need to talk about it. Jess, there weren't many positives. Actually, there weren't really any positives from that today. It was pretty grim. What were your just thoughts on that game in general? Well, um, <laughs> well, I have two positives for this game. One is um, pretty much a given, which is Thiago Silva is unbelievably talented, and we're very lucky to have him. And the second one was that we got to see Chile get a couple, you know, get a couple of minutes. I was happy with that. Um, my overall thoughts of the game was, um, it's kind of concerning. I think it was a wake up call to me in many ways because I was much more positive about the season. Um, maybe naively. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a wake up call, but I think it was the the most thing, uh, the the worst thing for me was was just how frustrating it was because, as you mentioned, we came from an incredibly good game against Spurs. The performance was was up there, and and today it was just complete opposite. There was no intensity, and and you know Leeds came to win the game, and you know they outran ran us. They wanted three points more than we did, and. I mean, yes, Mendy's mistake was abysmal. It was abhorrent. But, you know, watching later Newcastle against, against City and they were just the mentality that you couldn't see in this Chelsea squad. You know, you go to nail down and it's just this sense of defeat already. It's like, oh no, it's over. You know, we're not coming back from this. And, um, that I don't like, you know, the, the the lack of fighting spirit that we saw today. Yeah, no, exactly. It was pretty abysmal. I mean, to top it all off, Kaladu Koulibaly got sent off right at the end, which meant since the start of the 2017-18 season, Kaladu Koulibaly has been, been sent off six times in Syria and the Premier League combined, the most of any player in the big five European leagues during this time. Yeah, it was not great. And obviously the highs and lows of football, brilliant goal last week against Spurs, you know, and just really struggled today against Leeds. Um, just, you know, got sent off. Um, yeah, it was it was grim. As a result of that, Thomas Tuchel's last 13 Premier League games as Chelsea coach, played 13, won five, drawn four, lost four, 22 goals, scored 19 against 19 points. That's from Simon Johnson. And yeah, as I said, Chelsea kind of ended last season, you know, understandably quite limp and quite tame, you know, kind of the energy had been sat from us. And we're kind of going into a new era and we're kind of hoping for energy and something, you know, to really get us going. And Everton on the opening day was flat, but we won. And then Spurs last week, we were actually so good. We played so well. And I guess, Pat, in the space of 90 minutes, all that, I guess, energy that we try to, you know, uh, muster up, all that feel-good energy, it's kind of just completely dissipated within the space of 90 minutes today. Yeah, I'd say that's true because... Um, last weekend we were all the energy was all focused on the refereeing performance and we didn't really have a lot of questions about the players because you could see that desire and that 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 team spirit and that energy and there's a lot that though we didn't get the three points there's a lot that you could take away from that about the collective team spirit and what the mentality was probably like in the dressing room after the game and probably going into training this week but then the question then like you said (laughs) at the end of 90 minutes we're like well, if if that indeed were, was the case, where did it all go? Because as as Jess already referenced, uh, you know, we were we were outworked by by Leeds. They 
you know, they, um, they had more, more energy, more spirit, more intensity. And then they were, and then when they got that first goal, they were, you know, that gave them the confidence that they needed because I think, I think that was the only thing that they lacked from the beginning was a little bit of confidence right in front of goal. And then when they got that and they got chances, they capitalized on it and they just built confidence and it, and it, and, and and it made the Leeds faithful really make the place rock. It made Ellen Road really rock. And that, of course, you know, also probably affected us a little bit because um, also, like Jess said, I mean, you know, the, you can see a difference right now in the mentality of a side like City versus a side versus like Chelsea right now because City were, City were two goals down and then Holland and Silva come back and get two goals in fairly quick succession and they leave St. James's Park with a point. But what, whereas we don't really pick didn't really pick things up, you know, in the second half. And even though, um, and all that we saw in the second half was another Leeds goal. And that's really, really concerning when we're making signings because we can make all the signings that we want, but there's still problems that you have to have about team mentality and structure and team spirit. You know, you can make all the signings in the world, but if you don't have that collective team spirit, it's not going to result in too many changes. Yeah, no, exactly. I guess we kind of got to talk about it uh, because it is, I guess, one of the turn points. There was no N'Golo Kante this week. Obviously, he got injured against Spurs. Mateo Kovacic already out. And it kind of meant, well, it did mean, but we saw Conor Gallagher in a pivot with Jorginho. And that was that was painful viewing, to say the least. <laughs> they both really struggled, and honestly, it just I, I kind of when I thought of it, what was going on for for, for the Harry Potter fans out there? Um, there's a scene in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows um, where they can't, you know, we kind of realise, you know, that during all this time, Snape has actually, you know, been protecting Harry, etc. But there comes a point where Snape goes. Um, to Dumbledore. So when the time comes, the boy must die. And Dumbledore goes, yes, yes, he must die. And then Snape goes, you've kept him alive so that he can die at a proper moment. You've been raising him like a pig for slaughter. And Jess, I mean, it's not it's not Tuchel's fault in this case, really. And it's probably not Connor's fault. But it just kind of did feel to me like Connor Gallagher was just like, here you go. And he did feel like he was almost self a failure in that pivot, given that that's not where he played for Crystal Palace this season. We've seen him struggle there in pre-season. And it did just feel like this was his Chelsea chance, but he wasn't really given, you know, that proper... He didn't really feel like he was set up to really achieve much from this game. But obviously, I guess the injury issues we have is kind of a big reason why. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what other choice do we have? Maybe um, the only other choice would be love to cheek there and then Reese James the wing back and, and you could have Aspie. But, you know, it's all very much debatable. I think... I was, I was one that was, I was very excited to have Connor back. I think he had a wonderful loan, but during preseason, it, it became a bit concerning to see him be just because it was clear that, um, that he wouldn't be able to, to show, you know, the, his, you know, his, his best abilities in the private. Um, obviously Thomas Hugo doesn't, doesn't seem to agree. So I, I was, it was, it's kind of a torn feeling because I'm, I'm glad that he got the chance. But he, he looked a little bit sloppy. Uh, Georgie today also looked a little bit slow. So I don't think either helped each other today. <laughs> it, it was just, it, it just, it didn't work out. And um, I'm not sure also if we're going to be seeing Connor playing um, like a, on a mount role. I don't think that's going to happen either. So I, I have questions about what's going to happen with him because when, when, when the idea was that we, we were going to bring Connor back. I think a lot of fans and, and myself included were under the impression that we would see a back four a lot more. So a midfield three and, but we did see that today, <laughs> um, at least for a little bit, but, um, again, it, it didn't seem to, to work. So I think we're struggling to find the, the, the system that suits suits the, the players that we have because at, at this moment in time it, it, it looks like we have a lot of players that don't really come together in a kind of like a, a, a unit you know in a unit sense so we have players that fit multiple systems and and, I, and I, that's going to be a, a question that Thomas Tuchel is going to have to answer and, and I'm just glad that's not going to be me I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, there's not really huge amount to add, so I'm just going to go straight on to some of the questions. And I guess, Jess, I'll just stick with you. First question comes in from Akash. Should Tuchel give Gallagher another chance as a six? I mean, it's tough because, again, it is also a case of he's probably, you know, in that position with maybe someone who's not... Him and Jorginho just seem like a disaster waiting to happen, especially when you have players swarming around them like Leeds did. That was a, you know, that was more... I don't even know. There's, that was more than a baptism of fire. You know, I kind of jokingly kind of said, which was for worse 45 minutes, Sal's debut against Aston Villa or, or that sort of Connor showing in the pivot with, with Georgie. Um, but should, should, you know, should Gallagher be given another chance in the six? You know, is it kind of too early to just sort of go discard that or ultimately, is it just one of those where, I guess, opponent dependent? Is it just as simple as that? Um, I, I think it's as simple as what other choice do we have? You know, it is going to be out for a little bit. Kova's going to be out for a little bit. Um, I mean, if, if you're taking Thomas Tuchel by his words of not bringing a midfielder in, um, then you, you have to play him. <laughs> you don't, you know, you have, you have Connor, you have maybe Carney and, uh, again, Loftus Cheek could be an, an option, but, you know, we look very thin and, 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 it's it's very hard to talk about what we should do and talk about formations when we actually don't really have a lot of options. I know that seems very superficial, but it's just at this moment, I don't think what else can we do? Um, the back four, <laughs> I know people are going to be um, upset with me about this, but based on today's game, I didn't seem, I don't think we looked great in the back four. We didn't look great with the back four during preseason as well. Um, and I'm just, uh, I think we're going to continue with this system. So having that in mind, I, I just honestly don't see what other option we have. Fair enough. Well, the next question comes in from Shyam and he goes, has midfield position become an absolute priority after today's showing? If yes, any names other than De Jong that you want us to be targeting realistically? I mean, Pat, Frankie De Jong, I don't think it will happen. <laughs> He's kind of been like one of those you know, link with us, maybe it'll happen. I think it's just, it's kind of clear we need someone, but also I don't really know who else there is. Um, firstly, has it become a priority after today? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that it, it probably it probably is more so than I certainly thought it was going to be. And I think that was probably because I wasn't putting a lot of enough emphasis on the injury risk that that takes place with both, both N'Golo Conte and Mateo Kovacic. And um, that... All it takes is just one hamstring pull or, you know, a, a troublesome knee to, you know, to, to kind of show the lack of depth that we actually do have there. And with regard to any um, targets other than uh, Frankie de Jong, I don't, I don't know who it would be. And I think anyone else would kind of be a panic buy at this point. And as far as anyone that would be realistically available, um, I just think that, um, I don't think Frankie de Jong is going to come in either. Frankly, I think that it, that's more of a, a, a Gerard Romero soap opera more than anything. And because, um, you know, I, I don't think de Jong wants to leave Barcelona and he's made that quite clear. And um, he's going to try to, I think, fight with all his might to stay there. But back to us. Yeah, I don't know who, who a realistic target is because at this point, I think you're going to be overpaying. And we're going, you know, the last thing I think we need to do is go from this game and make a panic buy that's going to be a, a a further problem down the line, which is something that we've done in the past. And then we end up with, 
you know, situations where we want to move players on, but then we can't because they're on wages and contracts that no other team wants to take on. So um, I think that Jess put it really well that, you know, I think you're going to have to play Connor. If not, you're going to have to play Carnes and um, you're going to have to use the depth that you have. And I'm not saying that's going to instantly improve results, but maybe to be a positive, maybe if Connor gets more of a run in the side and gets, gets, you know, more than five minutes at the end of a game, maybe we'll see improvement. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part, because obviously he's more of a classic box to box midfielder, like an eight rather than a six, but um, certainly he's, he's not playing to his strengths in a pivot, but you know, maybe, maybe if he gets out there and he builds more chemistry with the, with the boys, maybe wish again, I'm just hopeful maybe that performances will improve, but based on, based on that pairing of him and Jorginho today, it's going to be a big ask. Yeah, no, exactly. As I said, I don't think there's anyone else really who I can suggest, uh, and I'm not going to mention a certain player who's at West Ham because uh, people are tired of that. So I'm just not going to mention it. Um, you know, and look, just throw Ruben in there and it means Reese can actually play right wing back, isn't limited to being right centre back and isn't, you know, hindered um, and wasted in that sense. So yeah, we're going to leave that one there. Next question comes in from JL. Um, my first question would be, WTF, but no one knows the answer to that. Uh, so should we even be considering letting Trev go after watching Tamori and Gerhi leave and thrive elsewhere? And this one is where I'm very happy to take hold because I've got a very strong opinion on what we're doing with Trevor, potentially doing with Trevor Chalva, and I'm not a fan at all because Trevor Chalva played a lot of games last season for Chelsea, showed he's more than good enough to fill in and have a role at Chelsea this season. We've gone from having six defenders plus Reese James to having four, if presuming Fafana comes, uh, to having four, and Chalaba goes to that is, to having four plus uh, Reese James and Mark Cucurella as centre backs. That's already less than last year, and ultimately one serious injury to Thiago Silva or Kaladu Kudabali. As we've seen, Kaladu Kudabali suspended next week. We need a left centre back. Trev can probably fill in there next week, hopefully, get game time. But you let Trev go. And you're playing a very risky game where one injury and you are awfully short. You are awfully short of what you're doing there. It would just be dumb. He got minutes last year. And so he should be able to get minutes this year. I can't justify it. And again, you're kind of seeing some small consequences of also offering Cesar Aspliquada a two-year contract uh, when he, you know, wanted to go to Barcelona, albeit even with Aspliquada saying there should still be minutes for Trev because I said... Kudabali suspended for next week. You know, we need someone to fill in there. We play a lot of games. Thiago Silva's now will turn 38 this season. Cesar Spilicueta's 32. And Kudabali's, to say, disciplinary record's a bit iffy and he may have injury stuff as well. So again, there is no logic to loaning Trev out. Look, if Trev goes, Trev could get a loan somewhere and be really good for him. I'm not denying it could be really good for him in his development. But for us, it would just be incredibly, incredibly dumb and so short-sighted and would just kind of, you know, point to a lack of really forward planning from Chelsea. So, no, Jail, there is no... We shouldn't even be considering watching him and letting him go elsewhere because the minutes are there and we just need to, you know, give him a chance when that time comes. All right, then. That comes in from RJ. Do you think this performance result strengthens our chances to make any further signs before the window closes? If so... Who do you think would be prioritised? Jess, does this result really change anything in terms of our, you know, strengthening our chances to make signs? And who do we, what should we be prioritising now? I don't think it changes much, um, but it makes it even more clear, at least to me, that we need a a right centre-back simply because um, Reese James is being wasted. I mean, he's he's incredible either way, wherever you put him. Um, Midfield, centre-back. If you if you want to play him as a number nine, I'll be okay with this just because I know he's incredible. Um, but we, we just look so flat when we don't have him as a as a you know as an attacking threat. And um, right now, it seems like Aspi is not going to be in the starting lineup, despite us thinking that maybe he should be given a chance. Trevor doesn't look like he's going to be in the starting lineup either. So. Um, I think bringing in a right centre-back will be huge or could be huge because it allows us to have Rhys James in his natural position on the wing. And I, 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 particular to the game today, we saw in the beginning of the game that ball from Mason Mount to Loftus-Cheek and 
I mean, I don't think Loftus-Cheek had a great game today, but I know that he can do a job on, on that side. But I was just thinking, well, if that's Reese, he shoots, it's a, it's a go. You know, if that's Reese, it's, it's a go. And, and, and I think we're losing that. So I, I know many will say striker or maybe creative midfielder or whatever. But I actually think that, uh, that right center back would be the most important, at least for me. Yeah. And just to add to that, as I said, we've lost two defenders or three defenders if we include Malangsar and then Kukureta is a Malangsar replacement the this. But we haven't replaced Andreas Christensen still. We're still light. It's pretty clear we need a right centre-back. As I said, if the reports of Trevor Chalabar going on loan are true, we need a right centre-back. Even if Fafana comes in, we are still light. But yeah, right centre-back is most definitely needed, in my opinion, RJ. And we'll see what else. We need a, D- we need a DM, but is that going to happen? I don't know. About Miang, who knows what will happen there? Honestly, don't know. Um, next question comes in from Dan Hill. Where do we go with the following players? Havertz, Pulisic, Ziyech. I'm not one for targeting specific members of the squad, but it really looks like we are carrying passengers. Uh, pa, I'll give you this first, the first part of his first one of his two questions. Where do we, what we do with these following players? Havertz, Pulisic, and Ziyech. Because I mean, look, it's to be fair, it seems like Ziyech is probably off anyway, presuming he can get a move. But Havertz and Pulisic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start off with Kai Havertz particularly because. It's becoming increasingly hard to really justify him starting games for Chelsea and kind of just, you know, putting in the performances he's been doing. We're in season three. The improvement, if any, has been pretty minimal from season two from season one to season two. We probably don't know what his best position is. We may well not be playing to his strengths, and I that's absolutely fine, and I can completely agree, get on board with that. But what do we do with him? You know, it's I agree with you in that it's hard to justify him starting matches. I mean, there's only so many times that we can say, for example, like the game against Tottenham, where he worked hard and where, you know, he was putting in a good shift. And and that's all well and good. That's what I expect out of a Chelsea player. I expect you to put in a performance and to give it your all. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're going to be playing that false nine role or playing up top, you, you know, you're going to be expected to get goals or, you know, providing assists to guys to get goals. And there's been, and frankly, Kai's not providing that at the moment. And it's, and it's, it's hard to keep justifying that he's playing. And part of me feels like part of it's his 72 million pound price tag that was on his head, which is no fault of his own. I mean, that's what, that's what the market said he was worth. And that's what we paid, but I don't think we're probably playing him in his best position. I don't think that up front is a nine or a false nine is, is his best position. But if you're up there, you know, good players make themselves, um, you know, like make a difference on the pitch no matter where they are. I firmly believe that. And um, if he can't do it, I think I think that um, we are calling for an, a classic nine up, up top, whether that's Armando Broya coming in or – um, if Pierre Emerick Obama, Obama, Obama Yang comes in, um, I think I do think that that may cost Kai a, a spot in the team. Um, but um, yeah, it's just hard to keep justifying him a, a place in the starting eleven when we're not getting a lot of return on that. He's not the only one, but it's it's hard to keep justifying that place when he's not putting the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, and Pat, then you know, second player. Uh, Pulisic, he's been a sub in all three games. You know, <laughs> with Pulisic, there is a lot of talk, you know, from US media, you know, etc. You know, kind of wanting him to move for the state, for the best for him and for the national team, etc. Completely get it. With Pulisic, given how ineffective Kai and Mace have been in the first two games, would you just be tempted, you know what, just say, Puli, here you go, have a start against Leeds, show us what you can do? Because there's only so much he can do coming off the bench in fairness to him. Yeah. I mean, I'd be up for that. And, and then it would be up to him to prove that he warrants a, a place in the starting 11, because I would also say it's, it's all well and good to complain about that. You're not getting that you're not getting to start, but you also have to grab your opportunity when you're given minutes. I mean, that's what it's about at this top level. And, you know, you can't keep making excuses of why you didn't, um, you didn't do it because of this or, 
anything else. I mean, I, you know, I love Christian Pulisic. I think he's, I think he, he has loads of talent, but also I have the same expectation for him that I have for any player that wants to be in the Chelsea starting 11. You had to prove that you have to earn your spot to be there. And, you know, most of our attack is not, you know, that are not really, you know, just taking it by both hands and saying that I'm an undroppable player. Cause really any of them could be droppable at the moment with the, with the current form. And I know it's early days in the season, but no one is really standing out and saying, this is my spot. I want to take it. So yes, I would want to, I'd love to see Christian given an opportunity, but then after that, it's up to him to prove that he deserves to keep one of those spots. Yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, And his second question, how do we fix our system? It seems more of a hindrance than help. Jess, I suppose if we knew the answers to this, and Thomas Tuchel wouldn't know the answer to this, and we'd probably be, you know, playing a lot better football and we wouldn't have these issues um, because it, for all the brilliance Thomas Tuchel has done, he has still struggled to get a tune out of Chelsea's attackers during all his time he's been here. How do we kind of fix our system or how does it get better? Cause I honestly, I don't know. Um, I think the first thing would be to find out who's actually staying within the squad because at the moment you have, you were talking about a Pulisic who can leave, but I'm not sure is going to be leaving now. I think Kai Havertz will probably stay at least for the season. But then you have Hudson Odoi who's probably leaving out alone. And then you have Hakim Ziyech who, according to reports, um, is going to, is going to have a meeting today. Um, he left apparently, according to, to, to the media, to, to Ajax, you know, to have a talk with Ajax about playing there again to be a replacement for for Anthony, who seems to be going to Manchester United. So right now there are a lot more questions than answers because you don't even know the characteristics of the players that you're going to have for the season. Because, you know, if, if you're thinking, oh, okay, so Hudson Odoi is going to go and then Hakim's going to go and you're going to bring in a number nine, then you can think, okay, maybe you can, you can play... Haim um, Sterling at the wing and you can have a back four maybe and Kai in the middle or stay with the, the three and then just have that number nine up top, you know. But it's hard to to think about it because I honestly have no idea how the attack's going to look like. Um we have we we we've had links with Gordon as well from from um from from Everton who if it were to happen could help a wing back, but could also fill in as a winger and who adds that one and one on one threat. So it's just, it's, it's, I think it's a difficult question to answer at this point. But based on what I've seen today, uh, I think it's very, very hard that we're going to be moving away from the back three or for, from moving away from the formation that we have at the moment. Yeah. So uh, enjoy more pain for the foreseeable future, Dan. <laughs> we'll just have to. We'll just have to see. Um, yeah, honestly, I don't know. As a start, I say playing players in their best position is probably a start. As I said, as much as you know, I get there'll be certain games Reese fills in at right centre back. I completely get him. You know, doing it against Spurs last week, etc. Because while you do sacrifice some attacking threat, you do also provide some defensive solidity. And in the game like that, as we saw, it, it did kind of work fairly well. But against Leeds, there was the space there. You know to use and Brees was just wasted at right centre back and what he is a right wing back and I don't want to see him wasted there. So ideally playing players in their best positions. Again also when players are fit, I think we probably maybe also realise how big a miss Mateo Kovacic has been in these first three games. Someone who's really good at just progressing the ball in midfield, someone who's, you know, attacking numbers improved a lot last year in terms of assists and just passes forward and he he is a big miss from that midfield because we're kind of missing that, you know, I guess creator in our team. And I don't think Kovacic should be our creator, but he is someone who can certainly help in that aspect. And when you've got Mason Mount, you know, struggling for form a bit, you know, maybe just, yeah, just not being in his best, Kai Havertz not being his best, it falls on someone to create. And then it kind of falls on Reece James to create or Kukurella to create. And then when one of them is playing right to the centre-back, that makes it quite hard because we do not have, you know, an Alvaro Morata up top for Cesar Like we could just get Cesar Aspilicueta crossing in for Morata to head on. We do not have that. We've had it up top and Reese in that position. So it's just one of those, Dan, I don't know. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Next question comes in from Travis. Is the path to Chelsea being the first club to win every trophy possible truly on now? Now, people are going to be confused about this. But I'm going to explain. So I've jokingly kind of had this conversation with people before. But if Chelsea don't get top four, I don't want us to get Europa League. I want us to come seventh so we get in the Europa Conference League. So we can go into that competition and win it. So then we can truly say we have won it all. Because we have won it all in the trophies we've actually been able to compete in. But the Conference League started last year. So that kind of put pay to it all a little bit. So if we fancy having a chaos season, one where we come seventh, Trav, then, you know, I'm firmly behind that idea. And look, you know, who knows? This season could be it. This season could be it. Because, you know, looking at the Premier League table right now, Arsenal are top, which is a bit of a shock. And you've got City, Leeds, Spurs and Brighton all on seven points. Newcastle on five points. Fulham on five points. Then we're on four points with a bunch of other teams languishing in 12th place at the moment. And obviously, you know, this is this will be out before Liverpool play Man United tomorrow. But Manchester United are in 19th place in the relegation zone, which I know brings Pat great joy. And then there's Liverpool who are in 15th place, who are also winless with two draws from their first two games. So if if we're on for a case of 15-16 season and we miss out on top four, then hey, as long as we get seventh place, we can bounce back and drop down into the Conference League. Hopefully win that trophy, then we can't really say we've won it all. So yeah, it's on. It's on. Obviously, I hope it goes better than that. I hope Chelsea have a good season. But if we're not to get top four, I ain't complaining if we come seventh. I'd rather seventh than fifth or sixth. Just think of the possibilities. Uh, right. Next question comes in from Prashamp. How can one injury lead us to play like this? Simply unacceptable. We know what that's referring to. That's referring to N'Golo Kante uh, being injured. And Prashamp, I can already even, you know, it's Twitter, but I can tell there's, there's some angry tone in that question. Um, Pat, is it simply put that, you know, you lose a world-class player in this team and you someone has to fill his role who's not world-class, you kind of see a drop-off. And also, is it just simply put that this is it's not actually necessarily just one player being injured. It's just the story of Chelsea of the last five years that this happens. It's a mentality yeah, I th- thing. Yeah, I, I think it's actually the latter. Um, I, I, I'm not going to put it on just because Angolo Conte got hurt. I mean, we... I mean, this isn't, let's face it, this isn't the first time Angolo's been hurt, but we also don't always respond this poorly. Um, but, but it is, but it, but it has happened enough in the last five years that we noticed that that mentality just drops off sometimes when we don't have, and then we, we sometimes go to the excuse of, um, that, that because this player's out, that we, that we struggle, but a top side is not going to allow that to happen. I mean, that's why you have depth. That's why you try to go and get quality in these different positions. And um, I think, I, I think that it would be more of a problem with what we had like last season when Ben Chilwell went out for the entire season. Um, that would be more of an issue at the moment, because I think, I do think we have people that can step in, you know, in midfield that can do a job, maybe not, to the same degree that N'Golo can do when he's 100% fit. But um, we can't, we, I guess the point is we can't allow one, one player being hurt to, to put in this kind of performance. We have to have the mentality and the energy and the collective spirit to make up for that because, um, you know, it's a long season ahead. And if we're starting to use that as an excuse, then we might, then, then we might be seeing conference league football. I mean, and you know, that's not, that's not obviously what any of us are here to see, but we can't have the kind of mentality that just because one goes down that all is lost. Because the one positive, another positive out of this is that it is early in the season and there is still time to put it right. Um, you know, we can't start losing hope now. If not, we might as well just, you know, you know, give up on the season. But you know, it's way too early to be doing stuff like that. Yeah, no, exactly. And look, it's it's cliche and it shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have to be having to say this, but on another day, if Raheem Sterling scores that chance in the first minute, we probably go on and win that game. So it is honestly one of those things. Circumstances play a part. But saying that, despite me saying on another day, Raheem Sterling scores that and we go on to win, you know, you face adversity, you face setbacks, you can't just capitulate. And this Chelsea team has a habit all too well of doing that. 
over recent seasons, which is why, you know, result these results aren't actually that much of a shock. I wasn't shocked we lost 3-0 today. As soon as that first goal went in, I wasn't surprised that that outcome happened because I'm used to watching it. I'm bored of watching it. I'm incredibly bored of watching it, which is why, you know, in general, I'm just a bit apathetic to it all. I'm probably not as angry as maybe other people are about this. You know, we saw it last season with Brentford. We saw it the previous season with West Brom. We saw it the previous season, I think, uh, with Sheffield United under Frank. You know, we saw it under Zari. We lost 4-0 to Bournemouth. We saw it under Conte. We lost 4-1 and 3-0 to, Bo- to Watford and Bournemouth, respectively. Like, these results happen. They shouldn't happen. And I don't think it's kind of okay that we go... We've kind of we've now just got used to saying we get one of these results a season as if that's like an acceptable thing. That's the case and it happens, but it's not really good enough. Um, yeah, it's it it's it's not. We didn't say we didn't lose three 0 because Kante was injured today. Like we didn't. We we should still be able to beat Leeds United without Kante. I don't honestly think Kante led us. Kante's injury led us to you know us being that bad. I think it's honestly. I meant because Leeds, there's a start, I can't remember, there's a start. Leeds ran in that like nine, 10, 11 kilometers more than us during that game. You can have all the best players in the world in your team, but if you don't have the basics, if you don't have the intangibles, the things that people like to laugh at, you know, passion, spirit, desire, work rate, if you don't have them, you're going to struggle because Leeds were up for that today. They harried us. They wanted that more. They were, I mean, I don't know how many times I saw, uh, this isn't me digging him out because he's just there, but I don't, I don't know how many times I saw Jorginho just get bypassed today. Just in midfield, just easily got past him. He tried to stick out a leg and they easily got past him. Like Koulibaly got absolutely bossed today. He shouldn't be getting bossed by Brendan Aronson. He shouldn't be getting bossed by him. The amount of just times we just struggled. And it's honestly like Tuchel kind of says he does, doesn't think he said it. I think his press conference was like, you guys will think it's a mentality thing. I don't think it's a mentality thing, but I don't know. Like it, it is, it is, but like he's not going to obviously. I don't think he'll obviously say that because he's you know he doesn't want to hurt his rep with the players. But I can't like I've seen the same sort, of, which is why Prashant, you're probably like you and a lot of Chelsea fans are probably really angry today after that result. You probably are, and I don't blame you. I laughed when that game was going on. I'm not going to lie, I laughed. I laughed because I was like, what can I do? I, I, I I'm not going to get worked up about it because I know this happens. I've watched the same. I've watched these players, different players. In some cases, but a lot of these players over the last five years, I've watched, you know, different managers experience the same problems. These issues happen. They're not going away. I'd like them to go away. They're not going away. I don't know how they're going to go away. I'm just kind of resigned to accepting it will happen. So, yeah, it just happened, Prussia. I'm really, really sorry. Um, yeah, it, today shouldn't have happened, but it did. Hopefully that's the last time it happens this season. I don't know. I wouldn't rule it out. I don't know what this season could be. It's, we, have, we had our, you know, spectacular capitulation a lot earlier than we have had in the previous season, which may be slightly worrying uh, in that sense, given how most happened in the second half of the season. But uh, I honestly don't know. Jess, do you just have anything to add to that? You know, pressure off question how one injury can lead us to play like this, simply unacceptable. Do you kind of just think it's just a mentality thing, but ultimately of these players? Um, I think, I think uh, Nicola Conte is amongst the best players in the world. I think he's world-class I agree with Thomas Tuchel when he says he is our Neymar, our Messi. Um, so I think he is deeply missed. And I think any side would um, feel the, his absence. Having said that, I look at our squad today in theory and we have enough quality to win. So I can't, I can't say the absence of, of Conte is enough for us to, to play this poorly. There, there isn't really a logical, a logical reason. Um, we saw again individual mistakes that we, we, we saw throughout the, the end of the last season, which is very frustrating because I, for, I for one was hoping they were past us. So I, at this moment, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, a, at a loss for answers. Uh, my, my view is to just wait until the end of the transfer window to see what our squad looks like, to see what we can do and then go from there. Yeah, no, exactly. It feels, unfortunately, Chelsea have got to play two more games before the transfer window closes and we've got a really clear view of the squad and what it can do this season. Um, so, yeah, look, Kante is obviously a big blow. If we were playing a top side today, like City or Liverpool, I could kind of excuse his absence a bit more. But it's Leeds. Like, it's Leeds. We beat them 3-0 last season at their place. Like, I know obviously they got a sending off from that, etc. But bear in mind, we weren't in a great place when we were playing at the time. Yeah, 
it's not today's not acceptable. As I said, I feel sorry for the fans who were there, mates who were there, because they, you know, paid, you know, trekked all the way up, won't get back home till till a bit later, you know, pay that money, etc. I feel for them. I do because that's just not acceptable and that shouldn't be happening. And these results shouldn't be happening, but they do. And yeah, I think unfortunately it's a it's a symptom of what, you know, of I guess maybe just the current culture at Chelsea, but you know, we're not that elite Premier League club. We we still a big club, we still compete, we still in the for the big trophies in Europe, etc. We're still a great cup team, but these just results happen because for whatever reason these players can't be on it to the level required for a 38 game season. And I know you can't be at a ridiculously high level for a 38 game season. There will be times when you're when you're low and your levels drop. But you can't drop to that level. You can't go from the high of last week against Spurs in terms of performance level to that against Leeds in the space of one week. You simply can't do that. That's just that's like that's too big a drop off. Um anyway, next thing, final thing comes in from Dean. I don't have a question. I just want to hear Nick tell me I was right about Mendy. Dean, I'm not going to tell you you were right about Mendy. Mendy made howlers today with a ball. We've alluded to the fact that with his feet, he is a bit of a liability. As I said, he made a mistake against West Ham last season, giving away a penalty. Made a mistake against um, Real Madrid in the Champions League tie at home last season, kicking the ball straight to Benzema, etc. His distribution is a bit suspect, yes. He's obviously not as good with a ball of his feet as someone like an Edison or an Allison. I do not think he is one of the best goalkeepers in what. I think there are better keepers. I think someone like Thibaut Courtois is obviously a better goalkeeper than him. He's still a top keeper. I also think he's probably one of the least of our concerns. I genuinely do. He was poor today and his levels dropping up been slightly concerning. Don't get me wrong. It's not something you just don't notice because obviously preseason as well, he was a bit shaky. But I don't look at him and I go, yet, anyway, you're a huge problem. The errors are creeping into his game. Prob- maybe I'm just being, you know, overly just optimistic. Well, I don't think they're happening at, at a level so consistently where it's becoming too much of a concern and too much of a problem. It's just something to keep an eye on. And ultimately, there's no one better to replace him. Kepper is hardly a saint with a ball at his feet either. And Mendy's primary job is better. You look at someone like Manchester United with David De Gea, whose performance levels have dropped a lot over recent seasons and his distribution of the ball isn't good. Edouard Mendy's primary job is keeping the ball out of the net. And in general, he has been pretty damn good at that with us. You know, that first goal, he obviously gives them. The second goal, I mean, is a horrendous defending from a set piece. And the third goal, I don't really think he can do much about it. In general, Edouard Mendy, you know, has been solid for us. He's not a... He performed at a world-class level for a period of time. I'm not sure he was ever a world-class keeper, but he performed at a world-class level for a period of time. And in that time, we had a great period of success. He's maybe, you know, his levels have now dropped a bit and dipped, which to be fair, has just coincided with a lot of these players' levels dropping as well. I don't think, you know, I think a lot of these players' levels kind of dropped at a similar-ish time in general, just which kind of maybe goes to a wider point. So, Dean, I'm not going to admit to you that, you you know, you were right on, on Mendy. I know you've had some, you know, concerns and you're not as big as him a lot of people and I completely get that. But, you know, Edvard Mendy is still still top keeper. I still should be starting next week against Leicester. For me, you know, if same error happens again, yeah, then fair enough, maybe take him out the firing line. But I think you've got to just, you know, place your faith in him for now. And look, maybe maybe when other areas of the score get addressed, maybe we sort of look for someone to go after Mendy. Who knows? You know, because Kepa maybe is not the greatest competition. But in general, I look at this side and of all the problems it has, I think Edouard Mendy is the least of the problems this side bases. So, you know, I'm not going to get too, too, go too big on Mendy. Um, Jess, Pat, anything to add? Um, I'll just say, I think you're spot on. I, I think that, um, I, I just think as a, as a group of supporters, we can't just, you know, you know, like dismiss players the minute that they make an individual mistake. Yes, we can be upset about the mistake, but the, but like saying we need to, you know, go and replace all these players when they make a mistake. And I don't care whether you're talking about Mendy, Jorginho, Mount, or whoever it is, you know, in, in the side. And I'm probably harsher, harsh on Kai, but, um, you know, we have the players that we have and it, we, we still had to support them. That's, a, that's the only thing that we can do as supporters. We can, we can prefer that one starts over the other or that one, you know, that we, that this is our, our ideal lineup, but at the end of the transfer window, we're going to have the squad that we have and we have to support them and, you know, do our part to, to give them support because, you know, just 
you know, um, throwing abuse at them is not going to be the answer. And I'm not saying that that's what any one person is doing. I'm just saying, you know, how Twitter is. And so um, I think what I would just say, and I guess a plead to the, to the supporters is just to, you know, support the squad that we have and, um, you, you know, try to give them confidence so that hopefully they don't, they don't make those mistakes. Maybe that's too idealistic from my end, but that's just one thing that I would say is that, that's one way that we can help as supporters and, you know, hopefully try to give them confidence so that way they can perform to their best abilities um, on the pitch. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And look, I just think you can't do, I think we'll do what's best. If he thinks Mendy you're going to have the side for a bit is best for him, then fine. But equally, if he doesn't, then that's absolutely fine as well. Mendy is still, you know, we're still very lucky to have him. Um, right. That's going to wrap it up for this week of that Chelsea podcast. I'm sorry if we can be more positive for you. I mean, we tried. It really wasn't good today. I mean, I don't even know if we were positive or not at all. I can't tell. Um, but anyway, before we go, I just want to say a big thank you to our guests, to Pat and Jess for coming on. Pat, before you go, why don't you tell people where they can find you on Twitter? Nick, thank you so much again for allowing me to be a guest on your uh, on your podcast. Um Again, sorry if I couldn't be too too positive myself because obviously it was such a poor result. But you all can find me, you know, on Twitter um, at 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 ptp underscore coyb. And if you ever want to interact on there, I'd I'd certainly love to do so. Yeah, and thanks again, Nick. Really appreciate it. No, Pat, it's always a pleasure. I'm just sorry you couldn't bring you on in happier times. Obviously, last time you and Jess were on, we beat Southampton six nil. So, you know, unfortunately, we did not quite live up to that uh, today. <laughs> Jess, uh, thank you for coming on. As always, it's been a pleasure to tell people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, thank you for having me um, and on the highs and on the lows as well. So <laughs> sorry again that we can be um, as positive as we wanted. Um, people can find me at Frota. What I would say in terms of positivity, and it's something that I'm trying to tell myself, is that... I know the transfer window is almost closed, but there's still time to see what we're going to do and, and how the squad's going to shape up and, and then have a clear view at the same time. Um, we, we know these players can produce and we know they can put up, a, a, you know, a performance as we saw last week. So I still think there, there is a lot of good within the squad, but certainly there are areas that need ironing out and uh, hopefully Thomas Sukul can, um, can figure them out because we kind of need him to. So, but uh, thank you for having me. And it's been a great honor to, to talk to you guys. Yes, it's always a pleasure having you on. As for us, we're on Twitter about Chelsea Pod, on Instagram about Chelsea Pod. We're on all your usual podcast platform providers. Just search for that Chelsea Podcast if you haven't already subscribed. Um, yeah, when I tweeted, put out any live retweets goes a long way. Play it to anyone with a functioning pair of ears. Obviously, you know, if may not want to subject people to you know us talking about free and lost leads this week i completely understand you so if you maybe you know you don't have to necessarily play to everyone functioning pair of ears this week but if you do that'll still be greatly appreciated but until the next episode everybody keep blue flag flying high sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.